Cape Talk, hiking with Tim Lundy. A week or so, but quickly. Tim, it, it seems like just yesterday you were sitting here in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> also in with you again is uh, Galio Saints, also here in studio. Thanks for coming back. Thank Galio. you. Always good to be here. Excellent. So firstly, as always, uh, Tim, we start with our weekly rescue and safety recap. Just how safe has our... Uh, as our mountains been over the last seven days? Yeah, um, rescue recap. It has been quite a busy one. Um, Friday night, I had quite an interesting one. I helped out um, with uh, one of the rescues. There were some people that were stuck on a mountain, and um, we basically used technology to get them down, which quite <laughs> was quite a, a amazing experience because I sat in my couch the whole time <laughs> while they got rescued, well, kind of rescued themselves. So um, we had people waiting at the bottom for them, but we it saved us having to send people in to go and get them. But um, so they found the, the own way way back. Well, no, I basically talked them through um, by using WhatsApp Live. I could oh, wow. see their exact location as to where they were, and then told them exactly where to go. So they would message me and say, "Look, we we've lost the path," and I'd say, "Well." Just five meters to your left, you will see the path again, <laughs> um, which kind of blew their mind because I was a good half an hour's drive away from them. So, but well, yeah, I know lot, lots of uh, rescues on the go, and actually two dogs mm-hmm. on two separate rescues um, got saved as well. So, uh, different kind of rescues, but um, just as important. As uh, autumn slowly crawls in, things get a bit cooler, but much more uh, foggier. Um, mistier around yeah. mountain areas Is this the time where, where things sort of uh, Pick up? Um, not necessarily Over the Christmas season That's when it really is mm. busy um, The rescues kind of change now So we don't have as many dehydration cases As we normally would Because obviously the weather um, And people do tend to get lost More often because uh, Visibility is not so great but uh, you gentlemen are here into the, this, this week to discuss the uh, Garden Rook Walking Festival. It's the first time I'm, I'm hearing of this walking festival. For how long has it been going on, Galen? This is technically our fifth year uh-huh. and fourth year that we've got a great sponsor behind us with Hitech. So, yeah, we've been going for a while. Uh, tell me about it. Uh, I see there's, there's plenty of it. Uh, Mossel Bay, George, Nisner, Plate, Nature's Valley. It uh, covers the entire garden route. I, I guess you're not going to be walking there, that area flat. There's various routes there for you to take. Uh, there are lots of routes for you to take. And this is what really sets this event out from any other event in the country, in that it's taking place simultaneously in five or six different little towns mm-hmm. right across the region. So that's really something fun. And what we find with a lot of the people who participate, like they, I was just speaking to someone this afternoon. She's arriving in Mossel Bay. She's going to do a walk there on the Friday morning. Mm-hmm. And then they're going through to George that evening, and they'll do a walk the next morning in George. And then that afternoon, they'll do a walk in Wilderness. And, and so you kind of walk your, you kind of move your way along the garden route as you go, which is kind of fun. Tim, I love the garden route. My, my, my father's family is from Mossel Bay, so we used to spend quite a lot of time in the Mossel Bay George area, yeah. holidays in, in wilderness, and it's lovely. But in terms of a um, vegetation, environmental differences, how does it differ from hikes here, you know, along the Table Mountain uh, National Park and then the wilderness? Quite a lot. Um, so the vegetation is definitely very different. Um, your Nisner Forest. Um, yeah, it's forest, so it's, uh, it's a lot thicker. Um, yeah, here there are a lot more interleading paths. There, um, it's it's a lot more sort of spread out. Um, 
but it, it is a fantastic area to walk in. It's one of my favorite places to walk in. I mean, you've got um, the Otter Trail out there. You've got Tutsi Kama. Mm. You've got Otaniqua Mountains. So there's loads of places to go. There's lots of coastal walks, which I'm sure you've um, incorporated in this, as well as forests. So there's kind of a mix of everything um, and very different to what, what we've got here. And the Nisner Forest has its, you know, its own mythology, doesn't it, uh, Galio? It, uh, you know, from from the books written about Kring and Divos, exactly, and all those things. Philosophy and all set in the Nisner Forest. It has its own mysticism. It know? does. So we have two beautiful walks uh, exactly around that. You've got this incredible elephant uh, mystery. Uh, um, mystery elephant experience with, wow. with Gareth Patterson sure. where he goes tracking elephant signs and, and tracks so really seeing basically walking the footsteps of the elephant yeah. that are in the forest stall and then we've got the circles in the forest walk wow. which is exactly that it's about going back into history and looking at that and, and really exploring wow. also the trees the big trees of the region that's fascinating did, did the, the fires affect not not uh, that region so a lot of the, so what's really fascinating Tim is the, the you know those fires come and they move very very swiftly through the old plantations, yeah. through pine plantations, eucalyptus spaces, and the fanebos. But when they come up and, and hit the indigenous forest, the, for, the fire just basically dies. just stops right yeah. there. It's quite amazing. Yeah. Maybe goes in about a meter or a bit, but that's it. It's just... Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, a friend of mine, Paddy Gordon, is the, um, the manager for the... Uh, Garden Route National Garden, Park. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And, and for a while now, you know, he's been telling me about um, the elephants there and there's only one left it's a it's an older female and they've been trying to introduce younger uh, a younger bull in there but they're finding it quite difficult he says um, in that uh, those Neisner elephants were so endemic to that area that only they you know over centuries had learned to survive this so it's quite difficult to to introduce uh, a new animals there but he says what was quite interesting they had installed these cameras motion detector cameras and this older uh, elephant cow she became wise to that and apparently had started moving the cameras by herself you know she would just <laughs> tilt it so that there would never be a clear shot of her uh, have you ever encountered any sighting or, or you know evidence or of of the Neisner elephant the sole Neisner elephant only only left? seen dung lester in, in my, myself and uh, but certainly seen a lot of damage that she mm. does um, you know, signposts, especially she loves smashing down signposts and gates and mm. fences. And wow. uh, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, l- we must remember that this is the, the last remaining free roaming, yeah. unfenced elephant in South Africa. Because all our other elephants are living mm. in national parks that have fences around them yeah. and try and keep them contained. Yeah. And so th- th- it's really special, actually. It's really interesting of, of how the demise of, of, you know, that herd came. It's a, a you know, when started building the N2, it cut off, you know, the habitat in half and, you know, trying to get to the other side and all of a sudden you, you, you approach this, this strange tarred thing with all these metal things coming past it um, and that uh, it's, it's quite sad. It is quite sad. And in a way, that's what the, the walking festival is really all about is what we're doing is we focusing on supporting 11 different conservation projects in the area. So the festival is essentially a, uh, it has these 11 different beneficiaries from marine conservation to corridor conservation to uh, some of the WESA projects looking at estuaries in Neisner, for instance. So 
the whole festival is designed to also bring awareness to these different mm. small projects that are happening along the garden route. So. It's our weekly uh, hiking feature with Tim Lundy. Also in studio is Galio Saints. So we're talking about the uh, Garden Route Walking Festival taking place over the Easter week in 19th to the 22nd of April. If you want to call in, if you want, to, if you have a question for Galio or a Tim regarding hiking in general or this walk specifically, uh, you could call us on 021-446-0567 or WhatsApp us 0725671567. There's also the SMS line on 31567. Gentlemen or, or Galio or Tim, um, who leads these walks? You know, do you just sort of pick a route and go or is it far more structured than that? It's, it's very structured. We have over 52 different walks for people to choose from over the four days of the Easter weekend from the 19th to 22nd of April. And what we pride ourselves on with this festival is there's no registration fee. Mm-hmm. And a majority of the walks, like over 60% of them, are completely free to participate in. So those free walks are all guided by what we call volunteer walk leaders. These are people who live in the area who are passionate about specific walks. You know, their favorite one around Roburg, for instance, or a, a brilliant walk through the Pledge Nature Reserve or... Walks like that that are then shared just with passion. Mm. And that's really beautiful because this is really a community event. It's a community experience. It's a fun experience for the whole family. And then the professionally guided walks, very importantly, the festival supports those professional guides with their livelihoods. Mm. So we have a lot of the guides who who are leading like the, the, the walk we've got called Forest to Beach, which goes through the crags from the inside of the forest. Beautiful walk through private land mostly and lands up on, on the beach just outside mm. Kierbooms. And that's led by a professional guide. He makes his living doing that, and so the festival really supports that. So it becomes a wonderful platform. What we've seen over the years is the professional guides use the festival as a platform to showcase their mm. guiding skills, but also their guiding products. And people can go and you know, participate and support them. I'm sure you want to obviously publicize the walk, but not make it almost too broad. How, how how many people on, on a particular trail at a time? You know, there are 52 is, trails. Yeah, really. exactly. So 52 over four days is about 10 different trails happening every day, mm. more or less, between Marshall Bay and, and Nature's Valley. And on any one of those trails, the, the, the more traditional trails, so if you're doing something like the 106, uh, 1067 peak outside George, mm. you're probably not going to see more than 15 people on that on that particular mm. hike. But then the Kids Coastal Pirate Walk, for instance, on Easter Sunday, where we go and hunt for treasure on the beach with like four to eight-year-old kids, that's mayhem. Mm-hmm. You know, upwards of 100-odd <laughs> kids. Um, and it's, it's just great fun. Uh, uh, Tim, uh, people in, uh, particularly in Cape Town, um, how many of them are, are going out of, of the city limits, going all the way up to the Cedarburg, going all the way down to uh, the Garden Route? Many people actually extending the yeah. the, the repertoire of, of what works they're doing those for those who live in the city? Yeah, no, there are a lot of people that are now starting to sort of explore. And I think the, the nice thing about the Western Cape, as well as the whole of South Africa, but especially the Western Cape, is that we've got so much choice. Um, I was going through the list the other day to try and find hikes that I've never done before, mm. and there's a huge list of walks that I'm that I knew that were not around when I was hiking 15, 20 years ago, um, that I'm absolutely keen to try out and and see what they're like. A, a lot of these these hidden trails or unknown trails on 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 privately owned land, I, I guess whatever's on government owned land is part of you know either reserves which have been mapped out before, but you finding a lot of things that are on privately owned land that you actually have to go ask permission yeah, for? Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot more private owners that are now sort of starting trails um, and are doing it in conjunction with sort of Cape Nature 
um, with Sam Parks and, and getting the right sort of, um, like the Cedarburg. Um, I'm going up this weekend to the Cedarburg, and it's the, the Cedarburg um, vineyard, mm. and they've, they've got permission to actually allow permits to um, Wolfburg Arch and Wolfburg Cracks. So it's part of their land, but obviously to, to get to the Cape Nature side of things, you've got to get the permit to, to get onto the Cape Nature land. Do, do, do private landowners, do, do they do without a goodwill? Do they, I'm sure you can't benefit financially from a group of a few dozen every year or so using your land as a pathway through. Uh, is, it, is it usually out of the good-naturedness to, to open up parts of your... Of your it might be a bit of a combination in my experience, Lester, mm. in that you know, a lot of the private landowners are offering some kind of accommodation. Mm-hmm. So the trail really acts as a magnet for an activity, whereas they're really making money out of accommodation, or in the, in the case with the Cedarburg, for instance, they might be selling wine sales. Certainly there's a couple of trails down near um, Hermanus, and uh, still buy, yeah. where you know the private landowners are definitely benefiting either through the guiding service that they might offer, uh, but certainly through accommodation in some way. Mm. And uh, it, it's not fancy accommodation. It's but it, but it's you know, hiking guys or guys and girls are usually rough and tumble type of people. So it's basically yeah. a place to to rest your head at night, isn't it? Well, you'll be surprised how much out there is pretty uh, really? on the luxury side of things. Oh, yeah, yeah no, it's. it's it's improving. <laughs> so there's a distinct category of people who love the slack packing s- uh-huh. yeah. stuff and 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 want to have a good bed to sleeping at the end of a, a good day out in the mountains. I think that's the nice thing about the Western Cape is with the different trails you get different um, levels of accommodation from like Snewberg where you you sleep literally under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> They've put a roof over it and a couple of stones and some straw and that's that's your accommodation. Um, all the way through to five-star stuff, if you really want, um, where you can slack pack and, and have people transport your stuff. And you still get to experience nature and enjoy mm. it, um, but you don't have to lug 15, 20 kilograms around for three days. I, I've <laughs> been eyeing um, call call for some time. It's, uh, it's, it's in the Overberg area. It's sort of... Um, from the outside, it looks like very rudimentary huts, but in the inside, it looks like quite glamorous yeah. accommodation. And it's sort of in the middle of nowhere. There are about five or six neighboring huts, but it's in such a way that you don't see them. And, and uh, people really just trying to get away from, you know, the hustle and bustle of, of life. And last time when we were here, Gale, we spoke of the uh, Rim of Africa and how hiking and walking offers somewhat a, a spiritual experience. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, rightly so, I think. You know, walking, as I said previously, is a great adventure. And on the, on the walking festival now on the Garden Route, we've, we've got a number of walks that speak to that as well. You know, deep immersion into nature. We've got a, a walk that's called uh, Attention Nature Lovers. And it's really about looking at the ecology of place and it sort of loops itself mm-hmm. around the beautiful uh, on the festival, which is also fun. So there, you know, one walks along and then someone reads some poetry and it kind of changes the, the perception of the landscape. Suddenly oh. the trees come alive in a totally different way. And I, I'm yeah. seeing this, this, this garden route walking festival in, 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 a, in a very different light. It sounds, there's a very big historical element, as you said, in the circles in, in, in the bush. Uh, a walk uh, is it based on 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 Krangenibos? Is it sort of based will have that that same mythology? Certainly, well, it's up to the guides. So this oh. is this is the beautiful thing about this festival is we got this incredible rich talent of diverse professional and mm. volunteer guides on the garden route, 
and they go out there and they tell their story. So oh. part of part of this festival is also about taking a little bit of a risk, like signing up for something you might not expect to sign up for, and getting there and and just being overwhelmed by the, what gets shared with you by one of the, the really knowledgeable guides. Uh, before I let you go, Galia, just some more in, uh, uh, info for, for people out there um, on how they can get some more info on the Garden Route Walking Festival. Well, what I would say is get online at walkingfestival.co.za. That's the really the best place to go. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook uh, Garden Route Walking Festival and on Instagram. But um, you need to make it quick because a lot of the walks are already sold out. And we're really excited about that. It happens every year. We sell out all the best ones sell out. Mm. I'll be guiding some really exciting ones, the Peak Formosa Challenge, uh, the Kierbooms to Nature's Valley Walk, and, uh, yeah, a couple of others. So it should be a fun weekend for the whole family. Tim, I'm, I'm trying to uh, pick up one thing with you. I, I read some somewhere on, on, on my social media that there's some uh, discontent with uh, the upgrades of, of Lion's Head. Do you know what's happening there? I haven't heard anything um, new that has, has changed. I do know that they are in talks and trying to mm. sort the situation out. They're not just sitting back doing nothing about it. Um, they, there's a lot of work to be done there, mm. and um, hopefully we will start seeing some changes. I am trying to get hold of Sam Park so that I can communicate with them and hopefully be able to be the voice for them on this show <laughs> that let the public know what mm. what's going on in the park not just Lion's Head there's, yeah. you know, um, Table Mountain National Park is a huge park mm. and there's a lot going on and I think the public just want to know what's going on they want to they find out but um, for now I'm giving them the space that they need because um, they've got a lot on their plate mm. to deal with so hopefully in the future we can um, communicate and um, I can uh, forward their happenings and, and, and try and tell the good story about what's mm. happening on, on Table Mountain and, and the whole park because there is so much happening in the park um, that needs to be told and um, there's good stories as well as bad. Mm. I, I would love to add to that because I actually had an opportunity to walk with one of the park, the, the section ranger mm. for Lion's Head this week okay. and, um, and one of the insights which, which I think is important for us to, to, to share with the public for instance is we as, as trail users also have a responsibility. Mm, absolutely. You know, I was up on the trail there. People have smashed down walls. They've defaced the signage yeah. already in places and just behaving really un, mm. inappropriately for, for, for public. So I think just to put it out there, Sandparks is doing their thing. And yeah. I'm really encouraged by the conversations I, I had with them Brilliant. that they, they're taking this next step. Yeah. So I think we can look forward to that, Tim. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hopefully being able to work with them and um, – Instead of just clashing with them and, and, and not not getting the story out that needs to be told, mm. um, I think there's a lot that needs to be understood that's being misunderstood at the moment about Sandparks and mm. what their role is and what what they can offer mm. and, and what the public need to do. Gale, if people want to get hold of you in particular, how do they do so? Oh, any time of the day, they can phone me on zero eight two triple eight eight one eight one. That's also the hotline for the Garden Route Walking Festival. And otherwise, just info at walkingfestival.co.za. Just, uh, it, it always seems to happen as soon as we get to the end of the show, a flurry of either messages or WhatsApps come through. Just a quick <laughs> question here. Maybe you gentlemen can answer this quickly before we let you go. How big were the Cape Peninsula and Garden Root forests? Have the forests been getting smaller? How does indigenous forest of Cape Peninsula differ from the Garden Root forest? That message coming through from Anonymous on the SMS line. 
Uh, well, I'm certainly not a forester, so I can't, I can't answer that one, but I'd love to, have, I'd love to hear I an think, answer. I think you can very easily say that um, the peninsula has definitely decreased over the centuries. Um, Hart Bay alone was, was Wood Bay, so um, Orange Cliff is kind of what's left, and they're trying to protect it as much as they possibly can, um, keep that Afromantan forest going. Um, but the images I have is that the whole of Hart Bay would have looked like that at some point. Mm. Um, and of course, with development, a lot of it has disappeared, but they have tried to save that. And in fact, on the 26th, I'm actually uh, leading, I've got a permit to, to take some people up into there because it is a magical mm. place to go to. And I, I actually really like the fact that Sand Parks have kept the, the permit um, system in place just so that you don't have hordes and hordes of people going in there. It is very, quite strictly, um, looked after which is great and um Nisna, i think uh, yeah i don't know I don't, I'm, I'm sure also with with all the tree felling that went on many centuries ago when they were ship building and stuff like that I, I don't think it is nearly the size it used to be but it's still a lot bigger than what cape town is um, a, a friend of mine i was just happen to to scroll down and see if i could find it a, a friend and former colleague of mine um she said uh, she, they were going to do orange cloth uh, last week and um, apparently the park only allows 12 people at a time Correct, for the yes. permit. So the permit's only 12 people and they don't just hand the permit out to anybody. They they are quite strict about who who gets gets permits in terms of leading people into mm. into the park. So uh, yes, apparently that you, you know they had to do a little collection to pay the yeah. guide, the, yeah. the, the train guide to do that. Yeah. That sounds very interesting, uh, and and uh, Tim, as always, you have the last word. How can people get hold of you and your and your parting thought for this week? Yeah, so they can get hold of me on Tim at Cape Town Hiking um, On Twitter, it's at Hiking Cape Town, and my Facebook is Cape Town Hiking with Tim Lundy. Um, parting thoughts are: if you're not doing anything this weekend, get out and enjoy it, and if you're not doing anything over the Easter weekend. Quickly book and, and get up to <laughs> up to um, the Nisner or the the garden route and um, go and do one of their many many walks. I think it's a fantastic idea. That garden route walking festival www.walkingfestival.co.za or you can email info at walkingfestival.co.za. If I had the time, I would have definitely made my way up there. But Tim, we'll see you next week. Perfect. See you then. In the last 24 hours, what's happened in your world? A man has been arrested following a violent protest in Luandle. This comes after residents took to the streets to vent their frustration about housing. Protesters became violent.